Hello, and welcome to another edition of Video Games to the Max, number episode 313, and we are technically still recording on the 4th of July, as you can hear the fireworks behind Mark there. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a, it's a Beirut around here. Yeah. My so. No, if we would have recorded like about 30 minutes ago, you would have heard stuff uh, where I'm at, too. They're still uh, going off. I think somebody almost hit somebody's car at back as their their yeah. alarm was going off and everything. <laughs> so, unfortunately, it hasn't been uh, the greatest Fourth of July for everyone. Uh, I'm not going to get into politics here, but you know it is what it is. Um, hopefully, you did enjoy. You know, have a Daniel. Did y'all did y'all go anywhere? Do anything? Yeah, we went to. Uh... My wife's relative's house out in the country, and they were shooting off fireworks. Ate dinner, shot off fireworks, and got back about 15, 20 minutes before we started. So that was fun. So, Mark, you can see him from your house. You didn't have to go anywhere. Not from my window, but yeah, my uh, front deck I can. There's like eight different idiots out there doing it. (laughs) Uh, I was at work, but on the way home from work, I could see them all the way uh, from when I got home to a party that my uh, girlfriend's family were throwing. I stopped there for a little bit and then went over here to record and and there was fireworks going on here. So got to see plenty of them everywhere uh, that I was at uh, after I got off work. So that has been our 4th of July. Like I said, hopefully you were able to enjoy yours wherever you were and heart goes out to those folks in uh, Chicago, they had to deal with a terrible mass shooting in a parade because apparently we still cannot control ourselves here in these idiots that, that do these things. Um, sorry for those folks. Anyway, um, we go from that to talking about video games here. And, well, Mark, you had just started Fireman Three Hopes pretty much the, the last, you know, our last week here. Yep. How much farther are you now? I'm like 15 hours in. I hit chapter 10, or chapter 9. I know there's at least 12 chapters, because every guide has said there's 12 chapters, so... Anything different or new that you have? I mean, I guess I kind of like it more, but I still don't like the problem of, like, most Tiny Steel Warriors games are the stupid map. It's like this weird, like, most maps devolve into like this, like, weird Brady Bunch-looking tic-tac-toe thing. Where you're on like Jan Brady in section four, if you get to section seven and like crossing over half the map. This game does mitigate that a little. You can take over strongholds and then you have a, a teleportation power up to like three times per like per battle. So like if you, you can teleport to any stronghold you actually own, uh, which is helpful uh, because some maps yeah. do need it. I also don't think like you can play anyone really in your army at any time as long as you're on the battlefield, but like why would you play anyone else but your main character? Oh, so it does let you, like, actually go around and pick? Oh, yeah. You, you, wanna... you can, like, inhabit anyone, really. But it's like, your main okay. character is going to be the strongest, and they're the most unique offensively, and they have the teleport, uh, and they have, like, a quick dash. So it's like, yeah, uh, sorry, Raphael, but I'm not going to play as you. Or, you know, some of, like, the lower echelon characters. It's like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'll just order you around and hope, hope you won't die. All right, so that, I mean, at least that's a change from some of the other ones where you're kind of stuck with the one character you choose before you start, and then like at any time you basically have four players on the map. Some maps have more, 
Uh, but yeah, you can switch between any of them at, at, at pretty much any time. So which uh, which path are you? I'm the going? Golden Deer, or they have some other. Like everyone has like a, a new name, but I'm the uh, part of the Claude House now. And then I'll probably replay it at least one or two more times to see the other, you know, story twists or stories. Yeah, that game does not get a lot of favors done on the Switch. No, it, the Switch is is getting pretty old. Uh, Zeno, I mean. So Blade 2 already had a, a hard enough time. Uh, they learned a lot when they did the remaster of 1, and it uh, seemed what, to... Isn't Xenoblade, yeah. like, I don't want to say turn-based, but isn't it like... No, no, that's get... full move-around action. Oh, okay. There's no... But isn't it, like, locked off, in a, like, once you get into a battle, or no? No, it, it, it does that little thing where it goes into... Uh, no, it immediately goes into a battle, and then they, they just keep going. It's full-on... Like even uh, some of the stuff's even like automated. They just keep attacking by themselves. So, but of yeah. course, that was also a launch game for the Switch. So, much different than going well, in I, and yeah. The starting class or like your unique class in Fire Emblem, it, it, like you have two swords and you can like really get around. But you yeah. have this like one teleport or not? I mean, uh, it's like Raiden's torpedo move from Mortal Kombat. Like you like can really dash around. And man, the frame rate drops like a stone when you do that. And also, you can like barely control it because it feels incredibly like unpredictable. Ah, oh, that's disappointing. I mean, to be fair, Quetecmo hasn't really, you know, been known for really optimizing the crap out of their games. I mean, a lot of times there's parts of it that look great, but because they have to have so many. Yeah, is there a lot screen. of yeah. enemies on the screen for this as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not as much as it has been, I assume. But, yeah, there's at least dozens, by 50 or 60, you know, in a given battle. Okay. You know, possibly even more. I do wish the game was a little more explicit about telling you how to get S ranks for, like, missions. Like, it does kind of tell you, but it it doesn't, like, keep it on the screen at all times. So, but, yeah, all the like, Fire Emblem stuff is really good. So it doesn't Demi- give you, does it give you like, I guess, challenges or things you have to well, do? Well, it's like, the- you know, you have to beat a mission under a certain time, uh, not lose like many, like much health, and then also like defeat like 600 enemies or something like that. And it is, like, you can get to it in a few, like, you know, menu options, but it is kind of what shows a, a counter on screen saying, like, hey, you have 400 enemies killed out of the 800 you need or something like that. It does kind of right. give you some some checkpointing like if you do complete like kill like 600 enemies it will tell you but like just a number on screen would be helpful yeah like a big counter and it does have like side missions like every mission tends to have like a few side missions like i'll go kill these enemies before they take out one of your units or kill these enemies before they're able to escape or stuff like that uh does has is there anything like good about the story or do you feel like it uh, it's interesting so far. Like, I kind of like the main character, but you can tell, like, your ghost or whoever is, like, evil. So, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, aren't you kind of playing the villains a bit here? Uh, kind, yeah. well, kind of, but, like, they refer to, like, your main, the other, or, you know, Byleth from Three Houses as, like, the Ashen Demon, but it's, like, she's not evil. Like, she just is a better mercenary than you. <laughs> like, that's, like, the funny part. Yeah, it's like she's not like burning down villages or you know like laughing maniacally. Like she's right. just another mercenary. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But well, it has all the fire emblem yeah. stuff, like the town management, essentially, and relationship building and all that good stuff. Do they allow like 
the kind of freedom of who you can choose or is it? Well, you can recruit people. Uh, I mean, right. the house members are still locked in, but there's like seven or eight people you can kind of recruit into your house or into your right. you know, party uh, additionally. So I've done most of that at least. And you can even recruit Byleth and, and like Gerald and, you know, some other people like down the road. So it's about okay. as open as like three houses was actually. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. it's still a Musu game, but at least, you know, they add, they add some Fire Emblem stuff. It doesn't feel like we're just, yeah. But it's it's funny because, like, your characters don't really, like, level up that much in battle. They might mainly level up through, like, you can just buy money or, like, buy experience to, like, level them up. But, like, my main character is so far above everyone else, it's, like, hysterical. Like, my main <laughs> character is, like, level, like, 38. Everyone else is, like, level, like, 22. Yeah. Because it's like, well, yeah, because I use her the most. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> right. But yeah, good game. Or it's growing on me. It's not. I still don't think it's as good as like Persona Five. And I'm not even talking about like or Strikers. And I'm talking about like the Persona part. I just mean like the actual like action part, or, like the gameplay. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> so, so what is this? You have put in our doc here an SNES complete. Yep, I finally completed my mission of getting the SNES games that I want. I drove an hour away today to pick up a copy of Mega Man 7. Nice. And guess how much that cost me? How much did that cost you? 240 Jeez. And that was on the cheaper end. Like, there are more expensive wow. copies on eBay that are in, like, far shittier quality. Or, you know. So I was happy to drive to Toledo to pay this dude his money to get it. So you're not going to go after any more SNES games. You have... So how many do you have in total... For like SNES, I have like uh, I don't know, forty. What? Okay. And then I have like number. I have like ten Super Famicom games, like Japanese ones. Mm-hmm. There's like one or two Super Nintendo games I might want, like X Men or Star Trek: uh, The Next Generation. But like they're not; those are all fairly common. They're not like oh, I have to like hunt around for them. But I'm out of I'm also out of sp- like shelf space for SNES games. Pulling every Mega Man game for the Super Nintendo, so I'm happy. Yeah, there you go. At least you yeah. have completed one thing. So yeah, what is like, your next uh, quest as far as your collecting? I don't really have one. Maybe like one or two more PS1 games, but I'm not I'm not like Yen's. I don't need to collect everything. <laughs> okay, at least you have a limit there. Yeah. Even though I guess systems might still entice you. I mean, if I, if, yeah, system is one thing, but like I don't need to own every system. And even right. the systems I do have, most of them are just in like a plastic bin or like not even hooked up. Yeah, I don't think you want to go through the trouble of trying to find ways to hook up everything and then never play it and it's just... And at, at a certain point, like, the NES is, like, my limit for, like, old games or old systems. Like, I'm not going right. to go before that because I have zero attachment to any of that stuff. And even the I, N- I agree. Even the NES, like, I barely have any attachment to that. I just found a good one for sale. So... I, I am with you there and that landscape of things of, like, I think they were just talking about uh, Atari is going to release some 50, 50th anniversary collection of games and i'm like i could care less <laughs> good for them but yeah I, I have no attachment to atari whatsoever like i've played you know pong and maybe even uh pitfall that's been about it well yeah and then even then there's a more to for me pitfall is the the pc version that comes with uh windows uh that came with uh pcs back in the day yeah you know uh, I don't even, I've seen, you know, video of the Atari version, but it's like, that's not, 
what I think of football is, you know, um, maybe breakout or it's probably yeah. the only thing that I would associate with Atari that I spent a lot of time playing or whatever. But I mean, it's, it's not our generation. So right. I'm there with you. Well, at least, at least you have narrowed down one system to everything you want there for that. Daniel was telling us earlier, he had not been playing much uh, this week. I kind of decided on a whim uh, on Sunday to pick up Neon White after seeing so much about it and everything. And I was just like, why not? And just uh, hearing about the writing and just everything else that's in this game, like the way the characters are. And I didn't know if the gameplay was going to be for me, but I, I'm not a speed running person at all. So I'm not going to go crazy trying to get the gold on every single level, but I really appreciate the the style and the way everything looks, the the art and the characters. And it does actually, because it's so fast, because of the way that it loads quickly, it doesn't let you think. It's like Cuphead, which I'm going to talk about as well, playing la- the last, uh, Delicious Last Course. Um, it's so fast in how it doesn't let you really think about the fact that you just died or not that you died, but like, so this game is not one of those where you keep trying again over and over. It's you try to hit exactly what you're supposed to do. It's very linear, but if you don't hit it, it will immediately tell you, oh, hey, you're not going to be able to keep going. So you might as well hit the uh, select button. I'm playing on the Switch, obviously. You're going to have to restart. But again, because you restart so quickly, it doesn't really like affect you. You don't really think about it. And go, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going more. If, uh, because it's going to be, it's you. So the the point of the game is that you are a like a lost soul in purgatory, basically. And every year, the angels of God have a tournament where they pit ten of these purgatorial people against each other and they're called neons and if you win and you beat everybody else you actually get to go to heaven so that's your goal is to try to beat everyone and go to heaven there Um, same story as pyre oh really okay i played some of that game i didn't play all of it but yeah so basically that's your conceit of it and then of course they throw on uh the guy that does the voice of Spike and Cowboy Bebop is the main character's voice here. Uh, Steve uh, Bloom. Or Steve yeah, Bloom. Steve Bloom. So uh, you'll instantly recognize him if you watch Cowboy Bebop in English at all, which makes he's that also great. The voice of, he's also the voice of Wolverine for a while. Yeah, and I think also the um, the robot from Toonami is also yeah. one of the voices in here. Yep, yep. The main uh, one. Like the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... There's some like recognizable voices. Uh, they did a good job in that. I, I'm like, I just really enjoy all of it. It has some of the visual novel like dating stuff in there as well. I haven't gotten really too much into that. I've been doing most of the levels and you get some of the story parts in there. Each one of the characters has their own, like you have this, uh, each one of them has a color. Like, so you're the main guy is neon white. And then, you know, there's yellow, red green, purple, whatever. So they each have their like archetype character and they're pretty interesting. So I think for like 25 bucks, 
it's a pretty decent grab. Don't know if or when it will come to the other consoles, but I would definitely pick it up if you have a PC or on Switch. It runs pretty well on Switch. I haven't had any problems with um, the way it runs. I'm playing it in handheld. I will say you will notice uh, because one of my, I think it's the left Joy-Con, even though it's attached, you still notice the drift. Yeah. That that game is not great for if your Joy-Con drifts. Yeah. You have to kind of overcompensate. So um, you will probably die a little bit more if your Joy-Cons have the drift. Um, because you're going to have to kind of, it's, it's a fast moving game. So you have to like be ready to hit everything you're supposed to hit to get to the end. And if your thing drifts a little bit too much, you might end up on the, on the ground floor again and have to restart. But I didn't have too much problems with that, but I think it's, it's great for, you don't have to be a speed runner to enjoy it. But if you are, there's a lot of stuff there. There's uh, three different levels, bronze, silver, gold. There's little items you can find the levels as well. Um, so, and there's like special unlocks that you can find to go even further. Um, there's a global leaderboard as well. So there's a lot, if you're one of those speedrunning folks and you haven't heard about this game, I think you really should check it out. It's well worth it. Something else I've been playing Cuphead's The Listless Last Course, which came out on the 30th there. It's more Cuphead, but you get to play as Miss Chalice, which, uh, she makes the game, I wouldn't say, like, it's not super easy. It's not like, oh, you got easy mode with Miss Chalice or whatever. I would say that it does make it easier because she has a double jump. She has a dodge roll. I found her a lot funner to use than the other two. But the bosses are still difficult. I'm in, like, the second boss. I haven't played too much. I do like the neat introduction of Miss Chalice, so they introduce her. And then you can kind of decide whether you want to play as one of the, you know, Mugman or Cuphead, or you can just decide to play as uh, Miss Chalice by equipping something. I think you have to be at least partway through World 1 in order to be able to go into the DLC. You know, the first couple or first two or three bosses are not that difficult. So if you haven't played Cuphead and you're seeing the last, you know, this new DLC came out and that's what you want to play. I don't think it's that challenging to get to where you can play the DLC. I love the first Cuphead. So this, having this DLC is is great that you get that kind of introduction and everything. And, and I know you said you weren't like super interested. I mean, I thought it was fine, but yeah, the gameplay. I mean, if I had someone to play it with, maybe, but I'm out. Yeah, co- co-op is a lot, a lot more fun. It's only, also, it's only eight bucks. So Cuphead right now is still on a sale for 14 So if you bought that and the DLC, it's like 21 So actually not too bad, uh, quite honestly, if you wanted to pick up both. So I uh, definitely think it's, it's worth it. Uh, the hype is well, you know, earned for this game. And I'm sure we're going to see more love for it as uh, time goes on, quite honestly. I'm excited to use this week to delve more into it. And how can you go wrong with just seeing more of these awesome bosses in the way? I mean, even the, the first one is like this band of different insects and the way that they have each one of them, like go through this. I don't, I can't, like I had this game on a CDI that was like Mario hotel or something. And Mario would go into these different doors and he'd go into these different levels 
And it's kind of that way, the first one, uh, boss battle. So you have different insects coming through, and then you got to kill the main guy, and then another one comes down, and that's like the second phase. And it's pretty neat, uh, quite honestly. And it still amazes me how they get this art style done and how it all moves so beautifully without you really even noticing that you're playing a game at times. It's Hey, man, yeah. they work for Dragon's Lair. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but still got to give them props for being able to do that. Um, still need to check out the, the Netflix show, actually. I keep forgetting uh, to do that. And yeah. uh, the last thing I'll mention is that I played the uh, Live a Live, Live Alive, whatever you want to call it, uh, demo. I've only played one of the three um, things that they have for it. I know one of them, I think it's the like present day one, is not a lot of battling. It's more story-based. Yeah. So, you know, just for you to be, I guess, aware uh, of that. But I played the, the Edo Japan one. I found that I, I really enjoy it. So it's not so it's weird because it's like it's not a strategy RPG, but it has the the grid. You have to go. You have to be near the the enemy to be able to. It's not like turn based where you just press a button and it goes to the character. So it's sort of strategy, but it's not like hardcore. Uh, it kind of lets you move around a little bit more, and yeah. you do get you know you do level up. You do um, get different you know, attacks and, and everything else. And I love to play, you know, so when you play the Edo Japan, when you play as the ninja, uh, which you can name, obviously, considering this is an old SNES game. So, you know, this is back in the day where you, you can name all your characters. And, yeah, I, I found the, it's pretty interesting. You also do get to, like, move around an actual, like, map. So you're going around trying to get through different parts of it uh, as you're sneaking through. And I just found that I'm, I'm excited to keep going and find more of this story and then go on and play the other ones. Uh, so I think that the demo does a good job of like kind of giving you the gist of the game in a way. So, yeah, and it looks great. It looks beautiful. The HD2D as well. So definitely if you're excited about this game, I think you should try out the demo. Um, and, man, it's not going to be long. The 22nd of this month is coming out. So get ready. Hopefully, I'll get to finish the demo this week. And then one last thing, I did play the Card Shark demo, and that game is pretty interesting <laughs> in a way. So you play as kind of reminds me of like what they're going for with Pentiment. It's like done in that same kind of art style, and it has that same kind of like old style setting, except for you're basically card counting, but you're cheating for this other guy to tell him what the suits are in the game that in the cards that the other characters are playing while you're pouring wine for them. And then you, you know, if you do well, then you get more money and everything else. So pretty interesting uh, concept on that. You know, one of those devolver joints that work out well in that way. So, all right. If uh, we don't have anything else that to talk about here that we're playing, let's get on with the news, and since I was talking about a lot of Nintendo Switch stuff, I hope that this actually comes to the U.S. because my Switch is messed up. The back is like coming off of it. I yeah, dropped, dropped it. Yours, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but like that—that's from over time. Like that didn't happen. Like I just 
randomly woke up one day and all of a sudden the back was like kind of coming apart. I could probably tape it together, but I kind of don't want to put tape on it. And then also I have like a little blue mark on the screen where, where I had dropped it. That happens similar to your phone. So it'd be cool if you could pay, say, $2 a month or $15 a year and you have the ability to just get your Switch fixed if there's something wrong with it, which I would assume this also includes the Joy-Con controllers, which, you know, Mark, you've had the problem with Drift. I had the problem with Drift. That's protected in there. You get six different repairs throughout the year, and I think two of them can involve actually getting the entire Switch replaced you see this coming here and is this a good idea for like say xbox or ps you know um sony to perhaps think about doing as well it'd be nice but i don't see it coming over here because americans are too rough with their systems as opposed to japan i think also I, a number of systems over here as opposed yeah. to japan too would well like, no japan. the switch is the number one seller over there there are so many systems there and not to mention, they carry those things everywhere. Like you talk about, yeah, they but use they also, transportation all the time. You know, they, so. they also treat them better. <laughs> I would, yeah, perhaps, yeah, perhaps you don't have kids playing with them and throw them around and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like, I, I mean, it took me like six weeks to get my Joy Cons prepared in the first place or replaced. Like, imagine if yeah. the system or this process came over here; it'd be like six months. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, I wonder how quick this is going to be. Are you really going to dedicate a certain, I mean, they are, they are, you know, develop, they, they bought the, the land that's next to the main headquarters in Japan. So perhaps could this be what you're using that 12 for building for, like to just have this like factory of you're fixing this, you're fixing that. Let's get this stuff out quicker so we can actually have this program be worth it for people. Because if it's going to take, months and months for you to get your system back then you know that doesn't really help you much so i mean uh microsoft and sony both have like stores in the country yeah. it'd be nice if they turn them more in like repair centers but they don't sony used to have repair centers but i think they like went away like decades ago uh sony store so where does sony i think both microsoft and sony stores have like Getting smaller and smaller that footprint that they have. So yeah, because they're not well. They're yeah, it's just a store to like sell stuff. It's not like a real store or like a you know or a real yeah. like a, you know repair center or anything like cool like that. It's just like hey, we have the new. Uh, remember the Zoom? You still have one of those somewhere in the back. You want it? <laughs> <laughs> it would be neat if they could do that. I think you don't necessarily have that problem so much. Uh, say the Xbox and PS5 if you don't move it around too much. Um, but I can well, definitely yeah, see people that... You're not meant to move either one of those around. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's people that take it with them on on trips, I guess. But now you don't really need to because you do have remote play. As long as you have the internet in your house working, it will be able to play for you and it pretty, works pretty well. Plus, you got the streaming on both ends. But, I mean, you still have the weird ones where... You know, the, the Series X just randomly went out on someone that I saw and, and Microsoft actually replaced it for them. Yeah. And, you know, PS5's done similar things. And The reason I don't think this is going to happen, I just did some very quick research just in the last two years. So from, uh, let me see, what did I have from 2020 to 2021? You're looking at maybe 5.3 million switches sold in Japan. 
Whereas in that same time frame, you had over 17 million sold in the U.S. So if those numbers yeah. continue, I mean, that's a whole lot more switches in the U.S. than in Japan. I just don't see it for that price being yeah. possible over here. I mean, if it was like 10 bucks a month, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, how many people do you have in the U.S. that could work on fixing the switches for the just the minor problems? And then you have to consider where were they getting shipped to. It's a lot more, just geographically, there's a lot more land in the U.S. to ship stuff over than there is in Japan. I just, I don't see it working for that price and for the just the numbers in general. No, I definitely think it'd have to be more expensive if they brought it over here. I don't think you'd get away with the whole uh, $2 a month thing here. You would have to charge a lot more. I mean, also because you have to pay the people uh, here more to be able to do that. Um, so that is something you have to think about is how much are you paying them to do? I mean, that, that being said, Nintendo does have another issue and that they have all these franchises that people are clamoring for uh, or hoping they could get a, a, a new game or remaster this or make another one of that. But yet, obviously, they can't make everything. And Nintendo basically came out and said that to all the, you know, everybody that's been wanting, uh, say like me, that's been wanting a, uh, F-Zero, a new F-Zero game for a long time. Nintendo keeps bringing out the whole, well, we have to have something new to be able to put into F-Zero to be able to make it worth it. Uh, or some people want a new Wario game or... I got I mean, a new Donkey Kong. A, a WarioWare game just came out. <laughs> well, Wario Land, like not WarioWare, but like an actual Wario game. Yeah, but like yeah, Wario yeah. Land is not like that important of a franchise, or, you know, like that memorable, really. <laughs> well, but you know, for some people it is, and that that's why I'm saying like it's okay like, hey, if you yeah, want you know, one, go dig up a Virtual Boy and play that one again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, even I think they had a shareholder that they came out and. Even had to tell people, hey, I went in and said that I wanted a new F-Zero game just they so that, me, you know. Hey, they told me, hey, go fuck myself. So that was fun. <laughs> Didn't he spend like 40 grand to be able yeah. to ask the question? Just yeah. told, sorry. Here's I mean, the thing. I, I don't think Nintendo could or should make a sequel to everything. But they could certainly farm some of this shit out. Yeah. You know, they didn't make the last F-Zero game. So who cares? You know, if Sega wants to make it again, feel free. Or, and even when they do bring back franchises, it's not always a big hit. Remember Kid Icarus? Yeah, I, I feel Hedic like that was received like critically. No, it just didn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah. not at all. Yeah, I mean that was also for three. Was it for DS or 3DS? 3DS. 3DS. It was yeah. one of the launch. Wasn't it a launch 3DS title? Yeah, Maybe. It, yeah, yeah. I think it was. It, I mean, I think they could they could farm out some of their franchises, but um, I just think they're afraid to. Yeah. Yeah, Chris was like a year after uh, the launch, but I remember you had to you had use a Circle Pad Pro. Like it had to come with that thing to make it like bearable. Yes. Like, yeah. What? I mean, it had to be like drag kicking and screaming to make him to make a, you know a new Metroid. John Cena himself had to tell him to make it. Yeah. Uh, you and, know, people have been throwing out uh, Wave Race and. 
make a good Star Fox game and Pilot Wings and like a I mean, Zero. And- they are incapable of making a good Star Fox game. They keep trying to like farm it out as well, and it keeps failing. And hey, yeah. some of these franchises are just gonna die. They can all see people clamoring for new ice climbers. Well, I mean, there's a reason for that. <laughs> I mean, hey, there's a reason for Star Fox as well. Like, there have only been like one and a half good ones out of like nine yeah. games. Yeah, I mean, at least with Star Fox, they tried. It just didn't work out, you know. But it feels like, at least with F-Zero, in my case, they just aren't interested at all. And it's just like, damn, you know. See, there are there are studios, there are people that would be that would love to be able to make an F Zero, a new F Zero game, and you just won't allow them to do that. And Why? They can make something new. They don't like Nintendo doesn't own like the futuristic racing copyright. Like they can make they can make their own game. Well, well, yes. I mean, what is I what reviewed is one copy- of those this yeah, like, or like yeah, Red Hot yeah, Two just came out, but the, yeah. the problem is most of them are terrible. I mean, the one I I reviewed wasn't bad. It's just it didn't have much to it. Yeah. It's inherently kind of a shallow genre to begin with, right? And like the height of those games was probably like I mean, I say PS One, maybe PS Two, like Wipeout. Yeah, but that's kind of about it. Yeah, it's just. I mean, people. Yeah, you know, you could you could get your Super Mario RPG that people have been. What well, I mean, that has more right. business machinations involved with it than Nintendo just doesn't want to make it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying. You know, you have your your squares out there just deciding that they want to make everything under the sun. So why not? You know, Nintendo just you know take one of your. Co- I mean, they just bought. One of the companies that like they basically worked with for like forty years because nobody didn't know that they didn't own them. Uh, yeah, like, you know, take that company and and decide to go over there with Square Enix and be like, "Hey, Super Mario RPG two, let's do it," or, or you know, or a remake or whatever they want to do with that. This is one of those that I'm sure everybody has their favorite Nintendo franchise. I mean, talk about uh, Mother Three. I mean, people like get somebody to to port that right. Um, Everybody has their favorite Nintendo franchise, I guess, that's been dormant uh, or stuck in Japan or whatever thing you want to think of that I'm sure they would want to be made. Um, You know, you were talking about a remaster of Metroid 1, right, last week, Mark. Well, you were. (laughs) No, you said you want, was it Super Super Metroid? Super Super Metroid, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Daniel, do you have a... Favorite Nintendo franchise that you haven't seen in a while? And... Uh, I would like a good Star Fox game. I'm always excited for a good flight sim fighter type game, and yeah, it's yeah. been a while. But the problem is they want to take them out of the cockpit for some reason, and it <laughs> yeah, just hasn't like, worked out too well. The, the prob- problem is even like when they keep them in the cockpit, those also still don't work. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's true too. I mean, the last, Taking them out of the me, cockpit is what started the downfall. To me, like the last good Star Fox game really is only Star Fox sixty four, and like original Star Fox is kind of technically impressive, but it's like ass to play. <laughs> so that doesn't count for me. But I think that's one of those that it's like uh, Shadows of the Empire for on the N sixty four when it first came out. It was amazing, but good luck playing it now. Same as Goldeneye. With the controls and everything, as it, how you're limited with it, I mean, I don't mean 
I don't mean Star Fox 64. I mean, original Star Fox is terrible to play. Yeah, but I mean, part of it's the controls and everything. I will yeah. say the uh, Star Fox missions that they add, and I've said, I think I've said this like every time we bring this up, but the Star Fox missions they added to that Ubisoft Toys to Life thing were actually pretty good. So it does yeah, show that, that when they want to do it, they can make. Well, that's because it was Ubisoft making it, not them. I think yeah. it was a good enough framework, but no one cared. It was already like way past. Yeah, you know, it's it's due date. So it, it just sucks that if they did want to do it, it shows that they can. I'm not gonna bring back Mark. He's just typing. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm surprised they haven't come up with like you know. I guess that was it. The Garage Builder game didn't uh, sell well enough that they didn't try to make that into a series of. Uh, let's yeah. let's have more games that show well, you how to do things. That's, that's a problem. Nintendo keeps wanting to like be out there, or like, hey, we have Garage Builder, we have Labo, and I think that's fun for like, yeah. a week, and then no one cares. Labo, yeah, Labo died. Uh, or like one two Switch, there. or even like that Mario Kart World Tour thing. Like, hey, it's technically impressive, sure, but like, ain't fun to play, really. And I don't, you know, I don't think we talked about it, but. There are rumors that they're trying to make a a second one two switch game. And yeah, but it's, it's so by... terrible that like no one wants to put it out. Yeah, exactly. Thankfully, they realize that, not just trying to put it out. Like, or even like uh, I, mean, I hate to say it, but like that Wii Sports game that the I mean, the Nintendo Switch was, Sports. I heard it was yeah. fine, but like it kind of came and went. Or even like you know, people bugged him for years to make a new Pokemon Snap, and it came out and. What's next? <laughs> you know, like yeah, Nintendo well, Switch Sports is selling well, but it's not like what is when it came like, out on the Wii. Yeah, it doesn't have that and, same cachet or that same word of mouth that, that. Yeah, that was a system seller on the Wii. Now you have VR that does that way better. Yeah, yeah. you know. So, so I'm sure Nintendo's kind of right. Like even if they made a new F Zero game, like how much would it would it sell, and then how much would it cost to make? I'm sure even like Metroid think- was kind of like a prize for them like they're probably going like it'll sell hopefully but i mean people really went with it with metroid because i think if it hadn't broken all the records that it broke i wonder if they would have considered shelving metroid prime 4 but the fact that metroid dread sold the way it did i think gives them more impetus to really make sure that they get it right with metroid prime 4 and then obviously you know they have that whenever it is, so we get that Metroid Prime collection. It does show that if you go and you get behind something, they will do more with it. But like you said, unless you're like I mean, Pokemon, where you can afford to have a dud. How many people for years have been screaming for Earthbound or Mother 3, and they, they ignore it because I think they realize that even if you put a new one out, it's not going to sell. Well, we don't know that. I mean, Mother 3 is obviously for the hardcore of the hardcore. That is total fan service if it ever comes out. But if a new one comes out. Earthbound barely sold in the first place. So, Yeah. I think they would have more success if they just, if they made a third one and bundled it together with the first two. Yeah. And just release it. Even in the original 16-bit graphics and everything, just say, here you go. Here it is. It's in the original graphics. Story is now complete. You can buy it all. I think it would sell better doing that than trying to just put it down the third game and say in a modern like modern graphics, modern settings, and say, here you go. Now let's see who buys it. Right. 
Right. Yeah, it's just it's been so long that I would they put it out Mother Three random like that? I don't think so. They would have to find a way to where they could really make something off of it. Um, Once they release the SNES Classic Two, they'll put it on there. Yeah, I can see them doing that. I don't think they would do the, what Sega's doing and make a SNES Classic Two. But the other the headaches that they had with those, I don't think they want to relive that again. Of like having a people going crazy trying to buy those, and then it's funny how like no one talks about them. Yeah. Anyway. So speaking of older games that people really want sequels of but apparently we're not getting them uh sucker punch basically shuts down all the rumors of uh sly cooper is coming oh a new infamous is coming no sir they're not you know of course they're working on ghost of shima 2 and i think they're also helping on god of war uh if i'm not they also mentioned that as well so I, I'm not a big infamous person, but I will say I would have loved a new Sly Cooper game. I love that. Out of all the Sony mascots or whatever, that was my, uh, not Jack and Daxter, not Crash. You know, Sly Cooper was my my dude. So I would have loved to have been able to see a, another game in the franchise. But I respect Sucker Punch for kind of just deciding, hey, we're kind of done with those games and we're moving on. Do you all have any attachment to either one? I've always had a soft spot for the Infamous series, but I'm kind of surprised we didn't see a new one on this, or or we're not going to see a new one on this generation. Because I would think that the PS5 would be able to open up a few more things that the PS4 maybe couldn't quite do, and make it a little bit bigger, have more, just have a more living city that you're running around in. in If they're not, I mean, I have no idea how well the second one sold. I think that might have been part of the problem. I don't think it sold as well as they thought it. I never played Sly Cooper. I kind of like the design, but stealth isn't, like, that type of stealth isn't my bag. I like the last Infamous game quite a bit, but I think I'm in the minority for that one. Yeah. I I think there was people that liked Second Son. It just, there was things about it that weren't in the first two that, like, I remember Randy also liking it a lot as well. Yeah, I kind of get what you're saying. I think there was a lot of people that were kind of like, okay, I'm kind of done with Infamous for a while. And that's might be where Sucker Punch kind of got that as well. I mean, it helps a lot that Ghost of Shima has sold so well and really become another pillar for Sony that, I mean, you kind of have your franchise you got to keep making now. It's like Naughty Dog with... Uh, with Last of Us, right? And and Uncharted, they stopped doing Jack and Daxter because they felt like they kind of outgrown it at that point. So what what do they, you know, gain from just going back to that well? Well, then, and, yeah, and, but then uh, they had to go back to Ratchet and Clank, so that's fun. Yeah, but th- that's that's different, right? That's Insomniac. I mean, they're, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I really would have liked another Sly Cooper game, but... I mean, they can always farm it out, like, you know, Demon Souls remake or something like that. They could do that. I mean, I guess, or if they wanted to, like, I guess they could possibly remaster those collections again and bring them out of the yeah. other games. But I don't think they would necessarily. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of inertia to bring back those, you know, even Jack and Daxter, let alone Sly Cooper and Infamous. So. I, I mean, Again. also, there's something to be said for, like, give you a reason to go and 
grab the nostalgia on the PS Plus uh, Premium too. You know, if you keep taking games and remastering them, you're not going to really want to go back, go into that library and go and play those games the way they were. There's that as well, I think. Yeah. But yeah, that's been a thing that's been going on for a while. Everybody keeps saying, oh, we're going to see an infamous trailer. We're going to see a Sly Cooper trailer at every one of these state of plays or swearing up and down that they're in development. And they pretty much put it in a, put a pin in it pretty quick. No, there is no I, I, studio. Doing yeah, this. I applaud them for that though, because I'm sure they're getting tired of being asked that crap. So it's like, no, leave us alone. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that's probably why they're getting tired, of, especially with what you know we're going to talk about this week, where people have that entitlement of feeling like this has to come out. We, you have to be making this game. Well, we're going to tell you that no, we're not, and you're not going to make us uh, be able to do it either. Speaking of. We do know of one game that it's still getting updated on. We know that we're waiting on features for it. Um, this does have to come out because it was promised on Microsoft. The Halo Club campaign is apparently on its way soon. They're doing an actual test uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, for it on the 15th. And the big part here is that after Redfall, the negative news that progress that you make in that game is only going to go to the whoever's account actually is running is is the main player uh which is also the same way that a game that came out earlier this year oh my god nobody saves the world when i play with randy it was like that we didn't unlock everything it's uh i was playing through his game so i think he unlocked whatever we did together well the halo campaign is actually going to be for everyone so whatever you unlock with your friends, you have that when you go to your solo game. And whatever mission you actually finish when you go and play with your friends, it's going to be there unlocked when you play by yourself again. And the even better part, I think, is that when you go and play by yourself, you're going to be able to, whatever missions you unlock, and then you go and play with your friends. If everybody that's playing together hasn't unlocked something, it's not unlocked there. And I think that's pretty cool as well that you're kind of like keeping everything together. You're not making everybody feel like, oh, well, I'm getting spoiled here. I'm getting, I'm unlocking stuff that I haven't done yet. Or So it makes it feel like there's actually progress for everybody. And that's, that's pretty good. I mean, how do you feel about that? And, do you think this should be the way that all these co-op games work, right? That'd be nice, but they don't, yeah, it doesn't always happen. And I think about like how bad it used to be with Halo, so. Yeah, I mean, they do have, um, they also talked about that it's not like a tether system or whatever, but there is a certainly certain amount of space. I think it's like a thousand feet or something that you could be separated from each other. Uh, but it is far enough to where you can be on in different points of, say the one area if you're doing one of these big missions and you you can still take out different parts of the base, which is good. I mean, Daniel, do you have a thought on I mean, how this call campaign is going to work? It'll be great if they can work it out, but I kind of wonder how much of the problem that, or the reason we don't have it yet, is because it's proving more difficult to get this to work than they thought it would. I feel like you wouldn't, reveal that unless you kind of had that down yeah i mean it's i could see it going either way i kind of wonder if they might have run into an issue where 
they thought they had it ironed out, then something happened, and so they had to fix it. But, I mean, I like the idea. I like that you're going to be, like, if somebody just, let's say a friend of mine just got the game and joined it, and I'm further along in it, I'm play, if he joins my game, he's still going to be unlocking his stuff, as opposed to him having to then backtrack through a single player because he was playing with me. Yeah. So I, I like how that's going to work. I just, I hope it, I hope it happens soon. Let's just say that. I agree. Um, that's like the one thing, like I do want to try out with the Halo campaign. I stopped playing mostly just because I'd want to play co-op with someone because I just have the fun memories that way. And having, knowing that that's how it's going to be, that makes it a bigger thing to, okay, I can play solo. And then that contributes to when you play with that friend again, because yeah, backtracking and having to do the same things over and over, you know, it kind of pulls the taste out of the single player for you. So if they can really nail this and get it to work that way, then yes, you know, I'm all for that. But honestly, yeah, hopefully you can. I mean, it sucks that the Red Falls is that way, that it's all based on whoever's the one that's, you know, the main player. But I guess, you know, Bethesda and, and Arcane have their reasoning why they're doing it that way. Which That's I'm guessing standard. at some point yeah. they'll elaborate on why exactly. We've all played at least Guardians. I haven't really played much Deus Ex, but uh, one of their big writers, uh, veteran narrative director Mary DeMauro, is going to be joining a Bioware, and she's actually going to be working on Mass Effect 4 um, as the senior narrative director. Uh, you know, we all like, well, you didn't like the actors, but the Guardian story was pretty top-notch. At least I thought it was one of the best stories of the year. It won Game Awards, best narrative. She was behind that. Um, you know, you played a lot of those, uh, those. I think both of you guys have played a lot of those, uh, those X games. How do you, uh, do you think this might help? With Mass Effect Four story after the bomb that was Andromeda there, I mean, yeah, it couldn't it couldn't hurt because <laughs> no one liked uh, Andromeda's story at all. So, Mark said it's not going to hurt anything. I think it's promising, but I mean, you just have to wait and see what the story is and how it's accepted. I mean, I think back to Kingdoms of Amular, everybody said they enjoyed the story. They brought Ari Salvatore to do it. The game still didn't sell well, so you got to have a lot more behind it than just a good story for the game to be successful. And also, like, that last Deus Ex game, the story was, like, pretty shoddy, I thought. Yeah, I wonder how much involvement uh, she had with that. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so for for people like me, the, I haven't really played much of the Mass Effects or whatever. Obviously, it's very celebrated, very loved, all that stuff. How much, like, why would why would you say Andromeda is bad or you well, want to forget about it because the first three tell a singular story the, the same the main character is the same they have characters throughout all out all three games that are the same or you know and they introduce new characters but like you can keep it you can keep uh caden through all three games really if you, need, if you really want to or like tally and liara or you can you can have them in all three games. Andromeda tried to start a new like a new franchise, like a new story, and it just no one cared about the story of the new characters they introduced. I think PB was like one of the worst characters I've ever I've ever seen in a game, personally. And the story was incredibly slapdash. Like they go to like a new galaxy, and there's only two new races, and 
most of the original races from Mass Effect are gone. Yeah. So on, on top of that, it felt like a very cheap attempt to make a new story. They're going to make a new story, but they're not going to bring anything truly new over. It's like, well, we're going to simplify the story, but try not to make it obvious that we simplified the story. Okay. So I kind of, I kind of get that. So it didn't feel like a continuation. Well, they were trying to not have it be a continuation. Like, okay, that part's done. We're going to move on to a new saga, I guess. And you don't necessarily feel that. But like, it was just disconnected from the core of Mass Effect. So it just felt very different and bad. Okay. I, I, I think the, correct me if I'm wrong, because I could completely miss it because it's been a while, but I feel like they thought if we move to a new galaxy, we can tell a different story and we don't have to refer back to mass, the main story from the first three games. The problem yeah. is that's what people, they wanted to know that the three games they spent however many hours playing had some relevance leading to this new game. And instead it was just, oh, that all happened in another galaxy. We're not going to really pay much attention to it. And it felt kind of like all that progress and all that time you put in the first three games when you fire up Andromeda just felt kind of useless. It wasn't really connected as well as it should have been. Yeah, they did a very poor job of actually introducing like the characters or what you were supposed to do. And it just felt it felt flat on its face. Uh, so do you and- feel encouraged that now you're going to be able to... I guess they're going to continue that story with four. No, or? they're definitely not continuing Andromeda's story. Well, not Andromeda. I'm talking about, I guess, some semblance of. Well, like three I don't know years. how much she was responsible for, like, but when they brought back Deus Ex, that was like the first one was really good, right? Like they they introduced a new main character. It's still in the same world, but it was pretty before like main Deus Ex. But it, it was still it felt like a, a fun world to. So I'm sure she could do it. Or the story might be able to pull it off better than what Andromeda tried to do. I mean, didn't they also like lose their guys that have been with them? Oh yeah, I mean, Bioware's had a big brain drain over the past few years, yeah. as it is. So I'm sure like, yeah, so Anthem, did, Anthem didn't help or anything like that either. Yeah, for sure. So she is involved in all of those those sex games that. Uh, well, just mankind divided into human revolution. Well, yeah, she was also involved in the narrative for the fall, as well. Yeah, and also the two latter miss games, three and four. Everyone's favorite, and yeah, and Splinter Cell Conviction. She did the additional script writing there. So, but yeah. I mean, the big ones, like you said, Mankind Divided, Guardians. Those are the ones where she's the executive near director. She has a lot more pull in what what's happening there. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, you know, she's bringing that over to Mass Effect 4. Let's hope that that helps uh, EA as uh, they definitely didn't help themselves this week, or at least their social media team didn't, by trying to take a meme or a trend on Twitter and then just absolutely falling on their face with the, it, you know, Daniel, you probably don't know much about this because I know you're not on social media. I'm sure Mark has seen this. Yeah, the, I'm uh, for there oh, are ten, I've, I've seen it yeah. and I made fun of it. Yeah, exactly. So the, the the whole trend is that you say there are 10, but then you say something that they do that perhaps is something negative, right? And then you decide if they're still, if it's still worth 
uh, going after or not, right? Um, EA pulled the their attend, but they only play like playing single player games. I mean, EA, come on, <laughs> whoever is the person behind that social media post, uh, you know, man. I don't want to know what happened to them or how much of a flack they got after. Even people that development studios, Vince Seminella, Sampanella went after them for putting this. People that work at the studios that they're making single player games for are, God, I mean, Yeah, I mean, really. it's not like EA didn't just announce two, what, two weeks ago a follow-up sequel to a single player game? Yeah, and then they, they're hyping the crap out of this Dead Space remake. I mean, that Don't you Don't worry, those, personally, all those games yeah. are going to have multiplayer, so... Yeah. <laughs> I hope to God not. That's what killed Dead Space 3. You know, that's the thing. It's like, you have a history of... You tried to... you Not going well with single-player games. You've actually kind of come back and, and embraced them. And now you make people go back to those times where you were just anti-single-player games, and aside from your sports franchises, what has that really earned you? You know, Battlefield's not doing great. Hey, man, uh, what about what about Plans for Zombies Garden Warfare? Probably some no-name person at a PR firm that put that out from a list of talking points that might have been five, seven years old, and yeah. they just never got an updated list of talking points or something, and yeah. it blew up. Or, or somebody thought, oh, this would be a good joke. Ha ha, we'll laugh at it. And then, oof, it just, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that they just used outdated set of talking points for this because they did, they spent a lot of time piping up single player games here recently. Yeah, it, it just oh, it speaks volumes of, of that whole stimulus. <laughs> like, man, at least they, they went and said, apologize for it. You know, they didn't try to act like it didn't happen or, or whatever. They they went and said, we're going to take this L because single-player games are actually 11. So, nice nice save there, EA, even though that was still pretty terrible. Speaking of more old stuff, I guess, so we can finally get off the talking about old stuff here. Uh, Ubisoft is shutting down multiplayer for 15 older games to even access to some DLC. I mean, not that I think any of us here was still playing any of these games, but it happens, folks. This is what happens when you have multiplayer games on a server, and eventually people aren't playing them that much, so they start taking them down. You got some Assassin's Creed games in here, Mark. Um, yeah, it's not surprising. I mean, I doubt anyone's playing the Assassin's Creed multiplayer anymore. Yeah, on, on PC, no less. Or PS3 and 360, for God's sake. Um, right. It's like, uh, I was surprised they didn't take these down earlier, honestly. So for most of these, you'll just be unable to play multiplayer. You can't link Ubisoft stuff to it. Uh, you'll lose um, the online features. And even installation of or access to the DLC is going to be unavailable for something. Like on PC, I don't understand that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing is if you pay for the DLC, you should be able to own it forever. Or Yeah, have access to download it. I mean, so if you lose, let's say you lose your computer or the PC or laptop or whatever that you have it installed on, I mean, I guess start backing up your stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, on the flip side, like piracy will take care of all those problems pretty well. Yeah. I guess there's, I guess there's that too. I mean, if you're still playing the original Far Cry Three or Driver San Francisco, Ghost I mean, Driver's Gun, still good, but yeah. like, yeah, yep, or yeah, Rayman Legends is, is pretty great. Uh, but of course, this is on the older systems like PS3, Wii, 360. If you're still playing on those, you know, you you kind of have to know that that time is coming, uh, unfortunately. But it is it is something that we have to think about when we think about those the digital age. Uh, you know, not not everything's going to last forever, unfortunately. Uh, Negative for Mark that always tries to get things physically, but I know that's going to happen to me probably because I I buy everything digitally out of the convenience. Yeah, yeah. and then one day you wake up and it's not there anymore, and you go, "What the hell?" Hopefully, this is far away. Like after I'm no longer, you know, no longer with us, and I don't have to worry about it. I'm sure whatever Anaya is doing, she won't be playing. Whatever edition of the Switch we're on, probably won't be backwards compatible with that at that point. Anyway, uh, Blizzard. Hey, we talk. I feel like every week we end up talking about Blizzard for something. Uh, just it, it is always with us here. Um, we were just talking about WoW and Dragonflight last week. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, you definitely should. It was an interesting combo for Mark and Daniel to have about what to do. With WoW, so now they're acquiring Proletariat, the makers of the Battle Royale Spellbreak, to specifically work on WoW and the expansion Dragonflight. So this is a hundred more workers that are, I guess, going to be merged in, coming from Boston, uh, to help work on the game. Uh, technically, they haven't acquired them yet, but they have the intention to do so. Um, Mikey Barrow's statement is that we're putting players at the forefront of everything we do and we're working hard to both meet and exceed those expectations. And that's in making sure that we have resources to produce experiences our communities are going to love while giving our teams space to explore even more creative opportunities with their projects. So, you know, this obviously is a different thing. They're kind of taking a studio that wasn't doing a whole lot. I don't really think a lot of people were really talking about Spellbreak. Uh, they were going to already shut down the servers anyway. Um, this isn't like very curious visions where they merged them and they were actually doing well. Do you think this actually helps? You know, having more more people working on the game now, you can... Depends on how long they stick around. Blizzard is not the greatest place to work for, even without all the issues that it's currently had. It's not the prestige job it used to be, let's say that. No, it's not. But hopefully that will change very soon. I mean, the fact that, like... Th- the expansions do out in like five months, and like oh, we're gonna need we need more people to work on it. It's like maybe delay it then, or you know. Well, I mean that is what happens with game development. I mean, as the game keeps growing, you have to bring in more people. Uh, yeah, but you don't announce a hard release date and start taking money for it either. <laughs> At least not supposed that's to. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you yeah, will learn that. It really depends on what they're gonna have them be do exactly what they're gonna be doing for the expansion and. You would hope a lot of it's pretty far along, and it's mostly maintenance, fit, trying to get rid of some, I, identify and get rid of some bugs. But who knows at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's good for the future of the game as well, obviously, because WoW is a living game, so you're going to have people being able to work on it that are fresh, have fresh eyes, perhaps be able to maybe give some input in. Obviously, the studio will change uh, once they finally complete this merger with Microsoft. What are they going to do with? But it, it's, I guess, positive to see in a way as well, just to see that folks are not losing their jobs. They're going in and getting to work 
uh, somewhere else, which yes, it has a bad, it's not, not a great place to work perhaps, but I really hope that that is uh, something that's going to change soon when this current terrible ownership group is no longer in charge. Yeah. That being said, we still got to deal with terrible people doing terrible things because entitlement is just rampant in gaming and everything, everything else for the, for that matter. But just it feels like with gaming, it's just overboard. And then you put in social media and just get worse. So we talked about last week how there was a really good shot that perhaps we're going to get a reveal of God of War Ragnarok's release date. It's going to be November. You know, is it really still coming this year? And apparently it was supposed to be revealed on the 30th of June, according to Jason Schreier and other folks. And then based on what was happening online, they decided to nix that because get this, guys. We have people sending a female employee dick pics because they need to get that release date for God of War. I mean, really? Are we that? I, I mean, nothing amazes yeah. me anymore. Like, most, just, most gamers are that immature. What do you expect? I know, but it's like, do you expect them to like, oh, she's just going to be like, oh, yeah, here, this is the release date. Please stop sending me. Like, I, what? My opinion is these people are doing this just to try to get their actions mentioned somehow. Because they want to know that either somebody's going to get pissed off at them and say X username did this or people have been doing this. And they're going to get that thrill that, hey, I got mentioned, relevant, I'm famous, whatever. And so people keep doing it, trying to two seconds of fandom or get the response from whatever creator, whatever they're trying to get the response from. I mean, I don't think anybody actually thought doing that would get the result of a release date. I think it was more, let's see if I can offend somebody and get them to mention what's happening. I mean, I love the fact that Corey Barlog's response is like, are you fucking kidding me with this? <laughs> That's my response as well. Like, we've gotten this low. Gotten- hey, the more attention you're giving to the people doing this type of stuff, the more they're going to do it because they want the attention. I've come to that conclusion. These people have the mindset where what they're doing gets attention drawn to it. They That's their gratification. And the only way to get them to stop is stop for us not to get the type of reactions that we're getting where they're, well, I can't believe this person did this. Can you believe this? Because that's what they want. They want, they don't want it to stay private. They want as big of a explosion about them doing it as they can, because that's their gratification from it. The only way that's going to stop is that if they stop making these big explosions about it, but I mean, not that nobody should be a, not that somebody shouldn't be offended by getting those images. Of course they should. Saying, we're not going to give you a release date because people have been getting harassed online. This person had this happen to them. That's giving them their gratification. Whoever's sending those pictures, they're getting their gratification because they're getting called out and it's public and they're happy now. I mean, that's just I mean, my thought, but I feel like that's what a lot of this is. I mean, I get what you're saying and you have a point there as well. But if you don't call it out, how is anybody going to know this is happening to get people to understand that there are consequences for what you do? Because I I, I do see what you're saying, but I do think that there are people that are that dumb and that ignorant 
and that immature that they think that they could muscle their way or do something that heinous to get what they want. In the other story that also correlates with this, because Corey Barlog. Well, yeah. Let, let me tell my joke first, because a, a, a game designer, a friend of mine who's female, she tweeted about this also. And my, my, my response to her, what she thought was funny was, you can't send a dick pic to this, that one game designer at, God, uh, you know, at God of War or whatever studio that is. You have to send a dick pic to every game designer, and eventually one of them will crack. That's it. Do not do that. Do not not do that. And we we do not condone that here. Quite honestly, it's it's the same thing um, that, you know, we see with the uh, Return to Monkey Island with Ron Gilbert. People harassing him over, they don't like the art style. And doing whatever they can and being mean and being crass to get him to feel the pain because he decided on this art style for the return of this beloved series that everybody keeps saying they want. That's what you do. You know, it's like, look, you can, you can have a discussion. You can say you don't like something, but acting that way is just, it's it's incredible to me. Like people are just so ridiculous that you can feel like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, treat this developer that you know is coming back after what his last game was the cave and timbleweed park which timbleweed park was actually pretty good you know mileage may vary on the cave i mean i really like the way that return of monkey island looked i get that that's not everybody's bag but there's better ways to say that than what people were doing there it's just uh, i mean it's just all that sense of entitlement that i always rail against I feel bad. Like, now we don't get any more stuff about the game because people have to be pieces of shit, you know? I really think that it was just somebody wanting whatever notoriety, whatever infamy for cause getting the reaction that they wanted. They wanted to, like you said, make the developer feel the pain because they didn't like something. I mean, they got what they wanted. The developer admitted that they were hurt by it, and now they're cutting everything off. I kind of wonder if the developer had just, if the developer hadn't responded, would the person have kept going or would, would he have eventually got tired of it or would he have kept going and gotten worse? I mean, yeah, probably that's escalated. That's how, I mean, that's what was happening, right? Is, you know, um, the guy that does, uh, guy was stupid's voice for the game. He, he, you know, he went in and said, that there was actually good discussion going on, right? Uh, in places in that same uh, blog, Ron Gilbert's blog, but you had people being so nasty that they didn't have an option and uh, that, that he had no option but to just end it right there. He's just like, listen, I'm, I'm just blocking this whole thing because it's just going to keep going. And uh, it's... It's really shitty to see because, again, this is a game that I was really excited about and a lot of other people were excited about, and now we don't get any updates on the game. I mean, hopefully he kind of goes back on that for the people that do care about it, but, yeah. Weirdly, I blame Mass Effect 3 for this. Oh, yeah, it all comes down to Mass Effect 3. Well, not just Mass Effect 3. I mean, there's other stuff, too. It's just... But, yeah, I mean, it was people... There was a legitimate outcry... People got whatever change they thought they wanted. 
So now the people on the fringes think if they generate enough of an outcry, they're going to get what they want too. And I mean, this happens with every other type of media, movies, TV, yeah. even authors writing books get the same deal. Yeah, People every time think that they're entitled to whatever yeah. the author, because they bought an author's books, the author they're entitled to know what the author's doing, how they're spending their time. They're entitled to however many sequels for whatever book yeah. that they pay. Uh, was it a George R. R. Martin? Like every time he yeah. does something that's not Game of Thrones, they're like, "What are you doing, dude? Yeah. Go back I to mean, writing." That, that's more of a legitimate problem because he doesn't do writing anymore. So. Yeah, but I mean it. <laughs> It's you have people that have legitimate complaints, and then yeah. you have people that take it to eleven, and then right. because the legitimate complaints got addressed, the people that take it to eleven are trying to get their reaction that they want. They keep going until they get whatever reaction they get. And, and it's just, but that in time, what did really start there of Mass Effect three? You got him to change the ending, uh, so now we're gonna get him to change all this other stuff, and it's like. Yeah, there are good things that happen, right? Like uh, a lot of this NFT pushback. Well, Sonic. Uh, and Sonic, right? And then you get... But, okay, but there's a way to do that, right? You can go and you can say what, that you don't like it, but don't go and attack the devs for it. Don't go and, and like, wish put death threats on them because you did that, right? And most, and people, just, most people don't. The problem is the loudest people yelling are the ones that get the most attention and yeah i mean hollywood for the most part has it fairly tuned in where they'll release a trailer whatever will happen and the people don't really respond to it the only time you get a lot of the only time that these quote controversies spiral is when you have somebody pushing back against a general consensus and making it seem like it's an extremist viewpoint and not what everybody thinks yeah. uh, i mean you do get it with you, casting well sometimes you right? do like, but you don't yeah because it, in some cases the complaints are either private people can go on and see it's like one percent of the complaints but they're choosing to focus yeah. on that and paint everybody with that brush you can go back to the female ghostbusters trailer the trailer wasn't that good it was very confusing from the, I mean, just the whole thing was, it was not good, but if you said anything negative about it, you were accused of being an incel, hating women, whatever. But objectively, it just, it was confusing because you had the director saying it's a completely different universe than the original movies. And then the very first line on the trailer is, 30 years ago, four people saved the world from uh, unimaginable horror, referencing the first two movies. That yeah, this new movie supposedly has no attachment to whatsoever. I mean, it was very confusing. Nothing looked good on the trailer, and if you brought up a legitimate complaint, you were accused of being one of the extremists. Sonic was a good example where a lot of people were complaining about the Sonic, the look of Sonic, right? And you had a lot of reporters saying, "Well, why would you give in to these complaints that?" are so extreme that they don't like something, so they're not going to do it. Why would you give into it? That's going to be bad. Not necessarily. If it's a legitimate yeah. complaint and you can fix it, you fix it. And But, I mean, it's when it's a general consensus and it's not just a loud minority yelling. Right. And, but, but, but it's all about and how you do it as well, right? Well, like it is. Just, it is. Yeah. And obviously sending 
crude images to a game developer is not the way to get your point across. I mean, yes, people want a release date for the game, but <laughs> I don't see how anybody can think doing that is going to get a release date. I mean, that just no, things like a way. No, I, I can see how there's idiots that that will think that, uh, or see, they just want to be terrible because. Well, they want to be mean because they're not getting their release date. Yeah, they want to get their reaction. And I think that's the big thing. It's more they want to see somebody react to what they're doing, not so much they think this is going to work. Yeah, I mean, speaking of a reaction, I definitely want to see what everybody's reaction will be to this once this gets, if this gets a lot of attention. I feel like we haven't really heard much about it other than that it was, you know, on video game news sites. but. Apparently, there is the first ever NFT console going to be releasing in 2024. Even though NFT sales have plunged from 12.6 billion to 1 billion, that's a hell of a lot of billions that have been lost, by the way. Uh, so, this Web3 company, Polonium, or Polium, is making the Polium One system, the first multi chain gaming console. It's capable of running, uh, running games built on different blockchains. Already, that sounds like a mouthful I don't want to deal with. This thing is supposed to come out Q3 2024. You'll only be able to pre-order by players who buy a Polium Pass, which is an NFT on the Erythium network, of which only 10,000 are going to be minted. Again, a bunch of word salad. So You can, you can just yeah. stop here. Like, it's not coming out, and it's a scam. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're saying that they're going to show a prototype on no, no. YouTube. You yeah. can stop. Scam. <laughs> yeah. This is like all the other scams that yeah. got some press and then were revealed as scams. It's it is not coming out. I mean, number one, NFT and gaming is very uh, controversial right now. With the whole worldwide economy looking to go into a recession, is it really the best time to bank on this? Are you really going to find investors that say, "I know the economy's tanking, but this controversial topic is going to make me a ton of money"? Yeah. I mean, you even have banks now going against crypto. Uh, so, like, this is not going to help you to have a game system that is on the basis of the blockchain. Like, it's. I mean, yeah. the Amico has a better shot of coming out than this thing. And that's well, already in flames. So. Considering that the Amico also have basically their trademark is dead. That, that's uh, my point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, both of these things. I mean, the only reason I'm bringing up the Amicos is because uh, Mark uh, does like to talk about it here and there, you know. Uh, so, you know, and television apparently applied for this trademark 2018, 2019. Last E3, they even had that big showcase for it, and they showed off the games. They showed off that commercial that showed you how the system was going to work and everything else, and then... Here we go, one year forward, and now they have abandoned the trademark as of last month, June 20th. The Amico store isn't on sale. At one point, they even sold that package of games that you could buy for it. They've tried to get developers to, they've tried to give away, or not give away, but allow developers to make games off the IP, off the IP owned by Intellivision, and that still didn't work. I mean, Mark, you... I felt like you were kind of looking forward to this a little bit. No, hell no. I knew it was a scam. Yeah, I knew it was a scam because. Okay. Of course it is. So, how did you. What what gave you this vibe of it being. I mean, like the NFT thing, it just. 
automatically screen scan. Like they went to the point where they showed this thing off. Like they they showed a lot of games. I mean, it was the only console that was going to have Earthworm Jim on it, a new Earthworm Jim on it. Like, well, they never yeah. got they, like they never actually made that game. Like they just had like that one quick scene. Like there's no right. studio involved. Look at like the Ouya. That should have been clue number one that this thing was like, going to fail or even not even kind of come out. Right. Like even like the whole like idea of it was just laughable on its face. And yeah. also. Who cares about the Intellivision? I mean, Tommy. even four months ago, they came out with an Intellivision Amico family trailer. So, like, they were still trying to... I think they were trying to fundraise to be able to afford to actually make it. And when they couldn't get investors, I think they just I think it, they just gave up on it. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I really say yeah. they're probably about three or four years too late to have been able to get this type of thing made. If they had started well, trying to get investors back when the NES Classic, SNES Classic, all that was initially announced and retro gaming was seeing a little bit of a resurgence, I think they would have had a had better luck. But now, I mean, it's just, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Every trailer they've shown pretty much has been awful looking for the games. And it being powered by a six-year-old cell phone, essentially, doesn't help. I mean, that in and of itself is not a great uh, helper for that. I mean, when you can dis- when you're Nintendo and you can put Mario and you can put Zelda and you can put everything else on your console that has a mobile chip in it that's old when it already came out, you can get by with that, right? Uh, when you're the television trying to come back, make uh, this Amico thing, that feels like another like CDI thing that it's like, I don't, I guess this could work for somebody. Yeah, man. This... I mean, like I said, the, the Amico makes the Ouya look competent. Yeah. Cause say what you say, what you will, the Ouya came out. The Ouya came out. It had some gains for it. And like um, one or two of those were like not terrible. Pe- people liked, you know, being able to use it as like a emulator. So there's that. Yeah, we're going to keep down this trend of bringing back old things. Sony, apparently, according to a patent, is apparently trying to bring PS3 products back to market, including the DualShock 3, the Media Remote, the PlayStation Mouse, and iToy. The, well, the PlayStation Move wands are still out there because you can use them for the PSVR. And then the memory card as well. What what the, memory card for the PS3? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, but the PS3 uh, peripherals apparently would work like getting emulated through software, not necessarily through hardware of the PS. And it might go along with the fact that basically the PS3 is everything streaming, everything's downloadable, and you can't or you can't download anything, but everything is digital with the PS3 because. You know, for the fact that they can't get that to work where you can download the games. or Like, for me, when Nintendo comes out with uh, the NES controllers, the SNES controllers, or even the 64 controllers, right? Like, those have a nostalgia because they're different from the controllers we have now for the, for the Switch. Or they are of, a, of an era. The PS3 controller is basically the PS4 controller. What? Why would you need to have the DualShock 3? For really anything, except for maybe like a small number of games, like it, I don't see the point. Yeah, it's dumb. They shouldn't do this. I just wonder if they're doing it so nobody can make third-party 
versions that work on the PS5. Or they're going like, to start selling the console in like Venezuela or something for like... <laughs> yeah, some type of knockoff or something that for the current generation, just trying to keep everything locked down. Yeah, it just seems weird. Like, and then you're even going to the point of like the iToy and the media remote. Like, okay. Fine, I can get, get, get one of those. The, the mouse? Like the PlayStation mouse? Okay. I don't know. I mean, a lot of the, we've seen Sony have these patents that they don't ever do anything with them. They just patent it, right? So it could just be that they're doing it, like you guys said, to prevent people from actually making these. But it'd just be really weird to see any of this stuff come out. I don't see this being a nostalgia play that's going to really just wow the masses into buying it. Yeah, I guess it's something. It is something. I, it would it surprise you, though, like if this actually, like any of this stuff actually released. And they said, all right, you can, I don't know how you're going to be able to hook it up to your PS5, but. USB. It, yeah, you can. You can play PS3 games with it. I could maybe see the media remote being used for streaming services, maybe having a way yeah. that you can go right to have a Netflix button where you can just hit it and go right to it or whatever. Right. But, I mean, that's the only thing I can really see out of that list possibly coming out. Yeah, I just don't, like, if you made such a big deal about how the PS4 games can't, it was such a big deal that they can't go forwards compatible. They're only there for the PS to play PS4 games. Like these things are going to cost money. That that just would seem like a big waste of money to have. Well, something that I hope people spend their money, but uh, would show that you definitely want more of these because this is the one game next week or this week of coming that I'm excited about. The Klonoa remasters are coming out. Of course, the the Reverie series comes out on the eighth. And based on a on an interview from the game journal uh, Lock On, they basically base this on if it actually gets the magazine version comes out every time. It's based on you know how much they can raise uh, all the buy by subscriptions and whatever. And it's actually a pretty good magazine. I've I've read the the first one, the first issue, and they have some terrific writers and some great content on there. Hopefully, it can keep lasting. But either way. They're definitely targeting, obviously, folks like me that are nostalgic for Klonoa, but they're hoping also that they can kind of open this up to a new audience for Klonoa, and then obviously if it sells well, they can do more, perhaps. I don't know if they would go and remaster the GBA spinoffs or whatever, but they could make another a new, a new game in the series. As well. Do you think that this could uh, do well, decently well, and, and you know, uh, actually be a boon for the Klonoa games, or you think it's just going to be like a lot of things we've seen this year where it will just hit the people like me and then go back in obscurity. Yep, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, oh, go on. Go ahead. Now you can go. I was just, unless something, unless there's like some massive push from people to check it out, I don't see it get, gaining much of a new audience right now. Yeah, uh, sadly, I, I feel the same way. I hope it's some kind of boon for the Klonoa IP. I hope it does decently well enough, whatever they're... I mean, as long as they don't have Square Enix-level expectations here, uh, I think that they will be all right. But, you know, I don't think people should be expecting this to sell ridiculous amounts of copies. Uh, the the price that they're asking for is pretty decent as well, 20 bucks each game. I think that's pretty good. 
um, for two PS1 remasters, but we'll see. Uh, like I said, I'm excited to be able to play that this week. I'll definitely have thoughts on it when we do the show next week, but man, it would be nice to see a new Klonoa game, but I'm also not going to be super disappointed if they just say, all right, well, we gave it a shot. Yeah. When, when was the last one? Like PS2? I think that you wouldn't the GBA games have been GTA. okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, the Wii they had a Wii game and that one did yeah. not sell well. So they we do have since we're at the end of well the end of this first six months of the year. Uh, I kind of wanted to kind of go around and get everybody's thoughts on what were you know I guess your top five uh, for this year so far. Like what what are the game? I mean. I think we can all for sure say Elden Ring is perhaps in the running right now for game of the year. Aside from the obvious Elden Ring, what are the what are the top games for you, uh, Mark? Uh, I said Kirby number five, Lost Ark at four, Fire Emblem, uh, Horizon, and then Elden Ring is number one. Daniel, you have yeah, I can give you games? Uh, five games that I came up with because I did five besides Elden Ring. Right. Because I figured that would be at the top. Uh, Pokemon Legends Accurate or Arcurus. I never can pronounce it right. And these are in no order. These are just, I'm actually going to read them off in order of release date. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, Tunic, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. And I went ahead and threw Shredder's Revenge on it because it is a, it, it, I would definitely say it's probably one of the top five to 10 games that have been out so far. And I enjoyed it. So I threw it on there. Yeah, um, for me, uh, definitely some of y'all's list is going to be on my uh, Pokemon Legends uh, Arceus is still, I think, perhaps my, like, at the halfway point game of the year. Just such a divergence from the Pokemon that we've played for so long that got to give it its props for that. Um, Definitely. I haven't played either Horizon or Elden Ring, so I can't comment. Uh, on that, I've been playing Triangle Strategy after not playing it for the length of time that I've had it, and I really love that game. Uh, so, but it's there for me. Uh, Tunic as well, like you said, Daniel, that's one of uh, my favorite games so far this year. Throwing Neon White in there, that game has really impressed me, and I think it's it's also going to still be there when I'm looking at games, you know, in in the next so far and i think if i had to to name another one uh the, actually i'm gonna give uh some praise to strangers of paradise final fantasy origin i really enjoyed that i've i really really enjoyed that game you kind of have to be okay with it just it's making fun of itself but the gameplay is actually really enjoyable to me and it does have that final fantasy nostalgia in there as well so, those are my five so far, but I did want to give a shout out to yeah, Trek to Yomi as well. I liked a lot, you know, uh, TMNT, the Shredder's Revenge, like you said, Daniel, um, Sifu. I still want to check that game out. Hopefully it'll go on sale one of these weeks and I will definitely uh, get that and play some. I know I'm going to die a lot, but from everything... Randy was like super hyped on that game and a lot of other people were as well. And Nobody Saves the World, which was like the first like kind of newish game that came out this year. I'm still have fond memories of as well. Any other games y'all want to give uh 
Shouts to Mega Man Seven. <laughs> WWE actually made they they actually made a good WWE game this year, so that's a, a miracle in itself. I mean, good is a yeah. stretch, but passable is okay. <laughs> People have really liked it, so I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say it's great or anything, but I, I think it's it just got called, good scores. Yeah, it's called good based on what the last. I'm based on the last decade of darkness has been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when you have that low of a bar to hit, I mean, you're not you're not having to to do all, go go much further. So. That's like the uh, isn't there supposed to be a college football game next year? Yep. Yeah, NCAA, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as long as it functions and it plays semi well, it's going to get high scores just because it's the first college football game in. Over a decade. I, I wonder what's going to happen with that if they keep doing all this, like, moving around and they can't decide if the NCAA is going to be in charge of it or not. Or well, it, uh, You want yeah. to know the really funny thing about that game? I, I've already been promised a code from one of the guys who's, wor- who's working on it. Oh, really? And, and as we all know, I'm a big NCAA football fan. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I think... I think what's going to end up happening is if the NCAA, nothing's going to change in the next, I'd probably say three, four years, because everybody's still under contract for the playoffs, still has its uh, yeah TV deal and everything. So I think we're eventually going to have maybe super conferences or three super conferences, and they're going to do their own thing. Probably okay. within the next 10 years would be my guess. And they're just going to phase out the NCAA because there's, the NCAA is a governing board, so if all the conferences can agree on something, why do they need the NCAA at this point? No, that's definitely true. I mean, they've gotten to the point where they really don't need the NCAA. That that thing is just eroding by it. So I, I can't wait till they just announce that basically some of these conferences are dissolving onto themselves and you just have like basically like two leagues almost yeah. going against each other. It's like, I mean, it's like the Pac-12 is dissolving – Right before our eyes, basically. So. Well, so I think one of two things are going to happen with the Pac-12. Either the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are going to merge and have a bunch of really good – and I'm not putting down any of the teams that are going to be left, but B-plus level teams, not top tier, but like Oklahoma State, Washington, Utah, Oregon, maybe not the traditional powerhouses, but still good teams. And so they're going to have their one, like they'll merge together and have their one conference. Then you'll have yeah. the ACC and then the Big Ten and the SEC. If the Pac-12 and Big 12 dissolve, then the ACC can't survive. And I think you're just going to see two giant conferences at that point. When I really don't, I really think we're going to get to that point. We're just going to have two two leagues, basically, almost. Uh, you know, it will almost have the AFC NFC equivalent in college football at some point. Well, that's uh, let me get through this here. If there's any entertainment stuff y'all want to discuss really quick, we can do that. Um, so as far as what's coming out this week, I already talked about the Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series. Definitely going to be on that one day one. Uh, again, that match point tennis championships is coming to Game Pass, and then the other systems, everything except the Switch. And yeah, I that I I'm not sure if that time on Fry Island any game is also going to be on Game Pass, but it is coming to everything, and I've heard good things about it. So kind of 
excited to see what any of attention it gets there. And yeah, everything's kind of tilted towards the end of the month, basically. Um, or towards at least like the bottom half. So right now we're kind of just waiting until then. But yeah, it, you go check out that. Maybe that arcade getting game is going to be good on PS Plus as well. I I love that art style, though. I keep mentioning it, that yeah, it looks like Osmosis Jones. I'm kind of interested in see how that rolls when we uh, can actually unlock it in a few hours and see how that goes. But all right. I mean, I've been I'm like five episodes in on Mayans. But, I mean, I love uh, Sons of Anarchy, so. Obviously, everybody keeps telling me I need to watch mine, so I finally started watching that. I've been enjoying it so far, and I finally got into The Boys, and damn, is that show freaking awesome. I don't know why I waited this long. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, that game, that, that show is, is great. But it gives you a different look on, like, I could totally see at some point if this ever happened, I could see, like, America totally trying to, like, sell superheroes. Capitalism, baby. That's a, that's how far it goes. Yeah. Anything? Uh, anything from you guys? Uh, I was annoyed who they killed off in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. I haven't watched this last episode yet, but I know who was killed off, and it's kind of annoying. But then again, that's the sign of a good character if you're annoyed that they're killed off and you're sad to see them go. So, as opposed to Discovery when they kill people off and you're like, wait, who was that? They had a name. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> that person's been there for three years. Never, barely mentioned, but now I should care. Okay. Hey, man, she looks cool. What more do you need? <laughs> uh, yeah. And Orville's still cool. <laughs> yes, I did watch the Orville. Also, I'll go ahead and throw this out there. If anybody has watched American Vandals, the uh, two seasons that were on next Netflix, the comedy fake documentary, true crime investigation, Check out Players on Paramount. I think it's on Paramount Plus. Uh, it's by the people that did American Vandals. It's got that same style. It's a fake documentary. This is dealing with a uh, legal, uh, fake League of Legends pro team and the rise of the team and the fall and bringing new people on and everything. It's really entertaining. I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, check it out if you get a chance. Pretty funny. I think people will like it. I'll throw something video game related in since we're talking about it. All right. Anything else there? Nope. All right. So that is it for the show this week. Uh, hopefully you like what you heard or watched on YouTube. Until uh, next time, make sure you go subscribe to the Network channel on YouTube. Anytime somebody does a show, you can get that on right there. Ring that bell. You will get everything we do here. Uh, of course, you can get all of Mark Rouse's uh, movie and mental music stuff. He's been doing the wrestling as well. So uh, Money in the Bank uh, just happened. So he has a commentary and review uh, of that as well. Uh, of course, they do the AEW stuff. So they did the Forbidden Door um, pay-per-view as well. So you can uh, check that out. And of course, whenever we do a show here, Video Games to the Mass, you can get that uh as well so or you know if you prefer just the old school listening we're available on any podcast service that is out there you can go follow me at w tim sean to follow the whole network at w tim network and mark at humanity play until next week we'll see you later everybody later later